Welcome to Doing a World of Good, a podcast from the American Institute of Chemical Engineers and generously supported by Raj and Kamla Gupta, shining the light on the positive works of our members and supporters. I'm your host, Bob Norp. And today we have with us four women who have all significantly contributed to the advancement of both the chemical engineering field and the business world that surrounds it. First up, we have Dr. Nancy Gicciani, who has who's been putting her mark on the world since her doctoral dissertation led to significant advancements in ultrasonic scanning. Now, her career included stops at Air Products and Chemicals, Roman Haas, and Specialty Materials, a strategic business unit of Honeywell, where she retired in 2008 as the president and CEO. Now, next up, we have Ruby Chandy who over a 25-year career has brought innovative marketing, business, and product strategies to life for several global businesses, serving in both president and chief marketing officer roles. Now she is an, now she is an advisor for a range of organizations and serves as an independent board member for both public and private companies. Now, and also with us, we have Dr. Kim Ann Mink. Dr. Mink offers an impressive 30-year career during which she leveraged her STEM education to bring innovative solutions to numerous global markets. Now, her career includes senior executive roles at both Roman Haas and Dow Chemical, and she is now serving as chairman, CEO, and president of Innofos, and is one of the only female CEOs of a publicly traded American chemical company. And finally, we were joined by Suzanne Rowland, who is one of the great business problem solvers in the industry. She has served in senior roles at Roman Haas, Tyco, and is now Group Vice President of Industrial Specialties at Ashland Incorporated, as well as an independent board member of a NASDAQ company. Wow, that's a lot of credentials to go through, but welcome all to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Now, Thank because you. you all have this collective business acumen and it's monumental, I mean, these are really super impressive credentials. I'd like to begin by discussing the evolutions you're all seeing in the marketplace, because who better than this group to ask? So, Kim Ann, I'm going to start with you. How is the chemical business changing today? And are the current structures effective enough to meet the challenges of the next decade? What's your take on the business? Yeah, Bob. Well, you know, our industry in general is is been marked by compressed margins and slow growth, even sluggish innovation and new product development and an aging workforce. Um, and compounded by that, we've got industry consolidation and investor activism that's that's at an all-time high. And rightly is the ever-increasing importance of having a strong sustainability agenda. So the chemical business has seen and continues to experience changes which clearly have implications on the business strategies employed, the markets and innovations pursued, and the capability and skills required to implement these strategies. So I really look at these challenges as presenting opportunities for our next generation of leaders um, where they can really play an essential role in our chemical industry to its next chapter. You know, you, you mentioned the, the future as being a, uh, dependent upon bringing in new people, bringing in a younger generation to take the flag and run with it. But uh, at, the sa at the same time, you said that the industry is suffering an aging problem. I mean, there's uh, not enough young talent coming into the business. Am I correct in hearing you? How do we overcome that challenge? Yeah, you know, we can't forget that innovation 
was the seed of our industry's birth and remains the heart of our success. And we need to be accurately aware of that. So the only way to remain um, an innovation leader then is to have those right people with the right skills and bring them in now because of that aging workforce. And more and more means STEM skills. So you know, if you, I've seen some statistics that say the number of STEM jobs has risen three times faster than non-STEM jobs. So we've got to take strategic actions then in engaging today's students before they even are ready to come to the workforce um, in STEM subjects so they can be tomorrow's innovators. So it's now's the time in getting them at a very young age because we've got to bring them into our industry. Nancy, how do we make that happen? How do we inspire people to want to pursue a career in chemical engineering and make it seem as exciting and, and dynamic as it can potentially be? Because the, the chemical engineering field has changed so dramatically and it's involved with so many new innovations that I don't think that many people who are choosing a career path even understand how many opportunities are available within the business. Well, I think chemical engineering has always been a wonderful jump-off spot, and uh, and I don't think that's changed at all. In fact, I think now the opportunities for chemical engineers are even broader than they've than they've ever been. With regard to getting uh, more and more people involved in in STEM, frankly, I think we're faced with the same challenges today as as we always have been, and that is to do our best to expose uh, young people, as young as we can possibly get them, and certainly in grade school, to the exciting aspects of, of the STEM areas in general and the fact that everything around them and everything that they do in their daily lives is somehow touched by science. Without science and engineering, none of the world we live in could be as it is today. And I think we need to work a little bit harder, the, the, not just everyday people and school teachers, and, and, uh, but I think corporations also need to begin to reach deeper into our education system to get people incited, excited about it. I think it's also important to recognize, in addition to the changes that Kim Ann mentioned, that the internal organizations have undergone significant change. Now, management transforming into leadership is not what it used to be. And the, um, the younger people now coming into the workforce have different expectations in that yeah. workforce. And any, any corporation that doesn't understand that, uh, I think is going to miss the boat and will, and will not be able to hire the kind of talent and capability in either the quality or the numbers that they need. You know, something that strikes me about this particular panel, as I'm listening to you talk, Nancy, um, this particular panel is not only adept in the, the world of chemical engineering, but is also adept in the world of business. And I, I want to direct this next question to Ruby. I mean, how important is it for a young chemical engineer, considering the field, considering to make a career out of it, how important is it to understand the business implications and and how many new opportunities there are for chemical engineering to shine within the business world that surrounds it? Bob, I think that's a great question. And I'm probably a personal example of someone who started out in engineering and then added the business background as well. So I think the two together are a powerful combination. 
you know, the, the young engineers, they bring, they bring that capability for thinking analytically, for using data, for seeking out uh, multiple sets of data, a lot of viewpoints, using quantitative tools. I think there's a huge, uh, the, the folks on the line will know from some of the things we did at Roman Huss, that being able to put some of that quantitative thinking and analytical thinking to the business side, to marketing, to commercial, the commercial side, really, really makes, makes those areas much more powerful. People have historically thought of marketing and sales as a black art or, you know, black box, but it really isn't. It's very amenable to, to data and uh, quantitative tools. And I think engineers are naturally able to bring that capability and, and, and then when they're able to combine the two viewpoints, you know, view of the business as well as a view of the technology, that's when really the big leaps happen, the creativity that gives big innovation or business model disruption or, you know, connects different disciplines because people are looking at it differently. Um, in this day and age, particularly where the pace of change, technology change is, is getting very rapid because of the new digital information age, because of the fact that uh, consumers are getting involved now in, behind the scenes and even what B2B companies do that, uh, you know, disciplines are interconnected to solve major problems of food or energy or, or water. With all of that, really, you get the most power when people working in the industry can combine both points of view. And I think I'm a little biased, but I tend to think that engineers bringing in business capabilities is, is a very, very powerful combination. Yeah, I, I like to call it the blending of art and science. There's a blending of <laughs> art and science in engineering. There's a blending of art and science in business. Suzanne, are, are you in agreement with, with what's being said? I mean, uh, how important is it for young chemical engineers to understand the business surrounding it? And even more importantly, um, how is it that you inspire a younger generation to see the vast wealth of opportunities that are available uh, for chemical engineering to, 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 to touch and to influence. I mean, that's always been one of my big surprises as I've gotten to know the industry is just how much core disciplines of chemical engineering like process and flow actually apply to so many other aspects of, of life and well-being of humanity. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I love this question, Bob. There, there really is an art and a science to engineering, just as there's an art and, and science in business. And in fact, uh, one of my chemical engineering, well, my chemical engineering thermodynamics professor, and he's on the has been on the board of AICHE, Dr. Eduardo Glant, would always say that... Um, the laws of thermodynamics explain everything in the world, everything <laughs> in the world. And he was great. He was great about that. And, and, uh, would, would always say that I, I was on his, I'm still on the board of overseers and, uh, he would just explain in every meeting he had with his board, he would, he would use something of a thermodynamic principle. So it was quite fascinating to watch him. But separately from that, I think engineering provides a great framework for logical thinking, but we always have to remember that the world is made up of people, and everything we do in the engineering and business involves aligning and motivating teams of people. And so this is where the art and science comes together, whether it's working with teams of people to solve customers' problems 
or working to align the team to accomplish a goal. So I think attracting people into this field means really working in teams. And I think that's a big part of the young generation. Uh, I know my children are doing that now in their careers, and that's part of what they value when they come to a company or into the business world. But another way to think about art and science is how it comes together in a brand, whether that whether it's a product brand or the brand of a company. So the science is what we do in the chemical business, and it's highly technical with long, complex scientific names for the molecules or polymers, right? I mean, most people out in the world wouldn't even begin to understand, you know, what we might be looking at or talking about when we use those terms. But the art is how we talk about it and how we sell the chemicals or the, the materials we manufacture to downstream customers. So I'll give you an example. We talk about here at Ashland, our brand promise is always solving. And we talk about all our products as providing five effects. The efficacy, how well they work. Their usability, how easy it is to use them in multiple ways. Allure, how good something looks, smells, tastes, or feels. Because many of our products go into like pharma, pharm pharmaceutical excipients. And so you have to, you actually taste them. The integrity of our products, how good the quality is, how sustainable it is. And then the profitability how much money these products help help our customers make money or save money for customers. So when you talk about our the complexity we have in our business, the science, and you, you, you have to blend in the art of how we talk about it. And that's how I think about art and science. And I think that's very attractive to um, the younger generation to bring them into this space. Um, they could get over it's more about um, helping them get over, not being overwhelmed by all the science, but being able to translate that into the everyday world. Yeah, I, I like the I like what you're saying. This idea that if you make it palatable for a younger generation, they'll actually see the opportunity. If you make it technical and you make it so much uh, so arcane that people can't grasp it, it really doesn't inspire people to think about the problems in new and innovative ways. Um, something that strikes me about this group also is you've all played a role of change agent over the course of your careers. Um, many of you are still actively pursuing uh, the role of change agent on a regular basis. So what are the biggest factors that you've found during your career, Nancy, that thwart innovation in the business? And what do we need to do to change these things? How can we inspire a, a more innovative outlook about what's possible with chemical engineering and inspire this next generation as a result of that? Well, f first of all, I think the, there has always been blockers, probably since the, uh, since the dawn of time. There have been naysayers and, and people who have said basically something couldn't be done or uh, the, the, the problems are just too overwhelming. The one thing that I think we have today that we didn't have as much before is an awareness among younger people. And some of the issues that, that the, the younger generations are feeling more passionate about today than perhaps my generation did when, when I was in my teens and, and my 20s are exactly the kind of problems that the, um, that the chemical industry is set up to resolve. You know, whether it's environmental, whether it's shortage of food, whether it's the quality and the availability of, of clean water, whether it's the energy issues that we face and, and the whole concept of renewables and recyclables, all of those things that 
that the younger generations are living on a daily basis through social media and have created so much passion around are exactly the kinds of things that that um, STEM areas and, and particularly the chemical industry is set up with their help and their involvement to solve. So I, I think what we need to be aware of is, is that there are still um, and always will be people who don't like change. And that's especially true of corporations. <laughs> and people they get stuck on, on, on certain strategies. And I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about specifics, but there are a couple of very large companies who have been around for a while whose change inside the company has not been as quick and, and the companies have not been as agile as the change outside the company. And they are... Um, in dire straits as a result of that. Yeah. You know, I want to so, follow. I want to follow up on that because that point because that's a, that's a really strong point that um, the change outside of companies is going at a faster pace than the change within the company. And I, I want to go to Kim Ann with this one because it's just like as the leader of a of a company doing this type of work, how do you maintain the level of innovation that is necessary to keep pace with what's going on outside your company? Yeah, you know, I, I you have to learn to be very agile. When I came into this company two years ago, the company was a little bit sluggish with with uh, aged uh, innovation, and we've now over the last two years come out with a new purpose, and we talk, we really change the culture, and that's very important. Going back to, I think Suzanne was mentioning about the art and the science, you know, really making sure that you establish an approach to create this sustainable competitive business that's differentiated on many levels. And that includes product offerings, services provided, channel to market, and that organizational capability to, ad to address those challenges in a different way. So it really comes top. And, and I agree with Nancy, you know, I think it really starts with the leadership to show that we do need to change and give people opportunities, um, giving the people, uh, the innovators, giving them time to invest um, in what we need to do and having patience and coming out with that, pur that purpose and being very disciplined and surgical about what that company stands for. And it's amazing what the younger generation that has come in in just the last two years into my own organization, where we've really built up um, our innovation and technology group. It's just been amazing, Bob. Yeah, it sounds like Fighting. it is. And I, yeah, they really, I think they're, they're, they're ready to shake up the world and change things. And I, you know, I've been around a long time and, and it's just a passion that I haven't seen in a very long time in the industry. So it's great to see. Yeah, that, that's fascinating because uh, you know, it goes right back to that ongoing conversation theme that we've got going on here about inspiring people from outside the industry to understand what the scope and the breadth and the depth of what chemical engineering can achieve and what right. the chemical business can um, give to the benefit of people outside in the, in the, the general populace. 
And I wanted to get exactly. Uh, I wanted to go to um, Suzanne for this one because we've all played it. Uh, we, we've all been in a world that's kind of dominated by business to business communications. I mean, when you're in the chemical business, to a certain extent, you have products that go out to consumers, but a large portion of the communication structure is business to business. Um, but do you see that to be changing? Do you see that there's more need to create consumer awareness of what you do behind the scenes? And is that positive or problematic as an effort to try to create uh, awareness of what the chemical business does and how it can benefit the general populace? Uh, yes, Bob. I think all of us would say we, we see this as a really positive effort. And it's really up to all of us to explain just how much the chemical industry is all around us in everyone's daily lives. And it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a difficult challenge because uh, while it, individuals might uh, not understand that just about everything we touch on a daily basis involves some form of chemical in making that product. So, for example, even though we might be reducing, you see the water bottles have gotten very thin, right? So we're reducing the use of that particular plastic and the use of chemicals in that process. And, and you see people, oh, well, I'll move to a different type of bot bottle to hold my water and then I'll use it multiple times. In the end, that is a more might be a more sustainable option because we're not filling the landfills. But at the end of the day we still have chemistry to make the containers that we use to hold our water, right? So we really do need a much more uh, positive effort at, as, as much as we can through all the companies. Many companies have worked at doing that over years. I do think it is still a challenge, but the chemical industry really does do a world of good as this podcast, these series of podcasts are named. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yes. Well, good. Well done on the branding there. Thank you so much. Um, Ruby, I, I, I want to ping pong this same question over to you. This idea that we need to move from being a strictly or a, a predominantly business to business communication focused industry into a, a, a general market type communication structure um, I think it applies not just when, it, when we're talking about whether or not the chemical business is affecting your life. It's also about the opportunities that the roles within a chemical business can fulfill. I mean, on this call and on previous calls that we've, we've hosted, over and over again, I hear about how chemical engineering is helping to solve problems like the flow of water to people who are challenged about getting you know, adequate drinking water. We talk about crops. We talk about um, medicines. We talk about everything from, uh, you know, it's, it's just endless the ways that we can reach out and help the, the people around the world. And I'm wondering how important is that to communicate or is that problematic for you as a business leader? You know, I think it's very, very important to communicate. And again, we'll use myself as an example because I wasn't in the chemical industry my whole career. And so for me, when I came into the chemical industry, I discovered what Suzanne and Kiman have described, the fact that, that so much of what we do and touch and how we live is really enabled by, by you know, chemical companies and chemical tech, engineering technology. So first of all, I think there's a huge... Uh, job of education, as Suzanne said, 
that that really still needs to happen. I think, you know, in the outside world, maybe some of the perceptions or the or the knowledge of the chemical industry is 30 or 40 or 50 years old. And we need to update that and link it, as you said, to the fact that there are probably very few other industries that can help solve the fundamental issues of our world going forward. As you said, the scarcity of food, the scarcity of water, uh, environmental issues. You know, we've named a number of issues that are that could either make the next number of generations flourish or could have them in a very difficult spot, especially around the world in many of the emerging nations where the populations are growing and maybe some of the fundamental resources are less well developed. So yes, I do think communicating and marketing uh, the, 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 the capabilities, the enabling capabilities of this industry to really help humankind move forward in a positive way, that's key. And that's why I kind of see it as positive that there is the capability for more B2C communication now in a, in, in a more organic way, you know, through social media, through, um, you know, more specialized programming uh, in various media. There's the ability to connect with people in a different way than before, you know, where it might not have been appropriate to use mass media. Now there are just so many, so many uh, vehicles to use. But the key, again, is to go outside the industry. Like all industries, I think the chemical industry can be a little bit uh, insular in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're talking to each other, but we need to get the messages out there to the great big world and do it with these new mechanisms. So particularly, we can, we can reach the younger generations, the young engineers, the young users of, of chemical technology. Uh, is it risky? I mean, it's always a little risky when you open up the doors of uh, social media. Uh, you know, the speed and reach sometimes can get ahead of you. But uh, I think that companies that don't do that and industries that don't do that get left behind versus those who, you know, do it well. And we know of companies in our space, again, without naming them, who do it very, very well, who have strong brands, who are recognized by consumers, their consumer positioning, their consumer branding, their consumer messaging, help, you know, helps them to go back upstream and, and command higher higher gross margins, better positioning, better multiples back in the industrial B2B world. So I, I do think there's a lot of potential here, but it's, a, it's as, as many of the others have said, it's something that has to be thought of through carefully and managed proactively uh, so that we don't fall behind other industries. I mean, you've got the auto industry, the state auto industry now seen as an incredible crucible of innovation and uh, and, um, you know, connecting people. I went to a seminar yesterday where they're talking about someday maybe your health checks, maybe your your life checks will happen in your automobile because there's so much sensor technology and there are so many things that, you know, are connect you can get interconnected to while you are doing your daily commutes and so on. Well, we need to think of ways that, you know, we indeed in the chemical industry are at the heart of what uh what needs to happen for the next generation of technologies, but we need to communicate that perhaps more powerfully and in a consumer-friendly way. Well, this has been a really great conversation, but we're out of time. So thank you very much for spending time with us today. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Now, our, Thanks, guests, Bob. our guests today have been Dr. Nancy Dittiani, Ruby Chandy, Dr. Kim Ann Mink, and Suzanne Rowland. For more details about some of the topics we discussed or to find out more about the Doing a World of Good program, visit doingaworldofgood.org. 
And that does it for this episode of Doing a World of Good. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, search for us on your favorite podcast directory or visit doingaworldofgood.org. On behalf of everyone at the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, I'm Bob Norp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.